So this is my merry moment. If you are going to represent Christ, you've got to represent him to the point of even if he doesn't. You can read Daniel chapter 3 verse 18 on that one. Let's get the show started. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Monday. We are back and welcome to Audacity Presents where we choose to live an audacious life for Christ. Every day, every week, every month, we choose to live an audacious life for Christ. So listen, thank you guys for hanging in here with me as we go on this exploration. I'm taking you guys with me. As we go on this exploration of what it truly means to represent Christ. That... That's something that came to my mind uh, before the end of last year. I, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, Mary, how are you representing Christ? And I have shared with you that immediately I was like, I'm in church every Sunday and I work on this committee and I go to this Bible study. And that is not a good answer. <laughs> it's all well and good to be a servant for kingdom building, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit was asking me for something deeper, that I needed to go deeper. And so that has sent me on this exploration of exactly what it means to represent Christ. What does it mean? And so I was taken to the book of Daniel. And so the past three, four weeks, that has been my devotion, that has been my Bible study, that has been my preparation for the podcast is how do we represent Christ and take a look at Daniel and his three friends and how they represented God when they were exiled to Babylon? So, as I said, in the book of Daniel, looking at Daniel and his three friends, and you have to look at the ages, and I've shared the ages of, the, of these boys before, that they are, it's said that they're between the ages of 14, 15, 16, maybe 17 years old, teenagers. And I'm asking the question of these four boys, of Daniel, Shagrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how is it that these four boys were able to represent God in this pagan land they had been taken to? I mean, they had basically been kidnapped and taken to Babylon, removed from their homes, their land, their families, their everyday life. And so how is it that they are in Babylon, that they are able to stand and still represent God? What was it that made them fearless in this situation? I, I have to be honest, I, I would be scared to death if this had happened to me or to my children or grandchildren. But yet these boys were fearless. And so the past weeks I have just been reading through chapter one and just compiling a list of what were they made of? What, what, was, what are the things that they were uh, made of that allowed them to stand firm on who they were and who they believed in. And so I started off saying they knew who they were. 
it, it didn't matter that the first thing they did when they were taken to Babylon that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar changed their names to a pagan name, to a pagan Babylon name. It didn't matter to them. As you read further into Daniel, you see that they still stood for God. It, it didn't matter what their name was. So they knew who they were. Second, I captured that they were unwilling to compromise. When they were offered food from the king's table, Daniel said, I, I can't eat this food because it would defile me. They knew that this food had probably been sacrificed to pagan gods. And so to eat that meat, it would defile their body. And so they were unwilling to compromise what they believed in. Third, I had, they were, uh, they filtered everything through the word of God, a biblical lens. So when they had been exiled to Babylon, we have to remember that these boys were from royal seed. They were the best of the best. They were intelligent. They were handsome. And so for three years, these four boys and, and the other boys as well were put into a classroom of being educated in the Babylonian culture and their lifestyle, okay? And so they're being taught uh, about Babylon and all of the pagan gods that they serve. And I can just imagine them kind of looking at each other, giving each other the eye, like they serve all of these gods. We serve the one true God. So even though they were being taught all of the different cultures and languages and literature of Babylon, they still remember their uh, culture and literature uh, of Judea, of, of Judah, where they came from. They still remember the God that they served, right? And then I had, they had a firm foundation. To be taken away from your parents to be in a pagan land and remember, and still remember all that you had been taught. Remember I mentioned in Deuteronomy last week that they had been taught the word of God, you know, growing up, they probably heard it every day as Deuteronomy says, along the way, when they rise, when they sleep, when they walk along the path, they had been taught who they were and who their God was. And so, they had a firm foundation about God and the word of God. And then last week I said, they drew the line. They, they made up in their mind what they were gonna do and what they weren't gonna do. Remember I said, what we not gonna do, I just feel like they were saying, what we not gonna do is eat this food from the king's table because that will defile our body. And so I, I look at these things that, that I put together in studying Daniel over these past few weeks that if we are going to represent Christ, we've got to know who we are. We've got to be unwilling to compromise. We've got to filter everything through the word of God and stand on the word of God, have a biblical worldview of everything. We have to have a firm foundation of what we uh, are teaching our children. And maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian household or knowing who God was, but the, it is never too late to build your foundation. And then they knew where to draw the line. And I mentioned last week, you know, on Sundays, the line is easily drawn. But Monday through Saturday, when you are in corporate America or you are dealing with 
the world? Does your line get moved? Are you stepping over your line? Do you not recognize your line? We have got to draw the line of what we're gonna do and what we're not going to do. What we're going to tolerate and what we're not going to tolerate when it comes to the things of God. And so this week, as I continued to study uh, the book of, of Daniel last week, I, I came across one thing that was very simple. These four boys, they trusted God to the even if. Yeah, I said to the even if. They trusted God to the even if. If we are going to represent Christ, we've got to trust him to the even if. And I say that because I was reading in chapter three when Nebuchadnezzar had built uh, these statues and they wanted everybody to bow down to the statue. And the three Hebrew boys said, no, we're, we're not. The, these boys said, no, we're not going to bow down to this statue. And it says in chapter three, it says, but even if he does not, and they're speaking about their God, if he doesn't deliver them. They said, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods nor worship the golden statue that you have set up. We've got to trust God to the point of even if, even if we are not delivered from whatever we're going through, even if we are never healed, even if we never find a job, even if we never get married, even if this divorce goes through, even if we've got to trust God. And it, it's so interesting to me as I was reading through Daniel and, and after the three years of educating them in all things Babylon, these boys were put in service to the king. They had like these high ranking government jobs. So they, they knew everything that was going on in Babylon. They knew the things of Babylon. And so it didn't matter what they were doing, where their position was, when it came to the things of God. They were like, no, we're, we're not, we're not gonna cross the line. It's, it's like, we're not gonna do this. Our God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, what I'm not gonna do <laughs> is what you're asking me to do. How many of us can say that? How many of us can walk away from situations that have taken us to the even if? We've prayed about things and asked God for deliverance, asked God to intervene, but even if he doesn't, are we prepared for the next thing around the corner? Are we prepared to walk out of our job or walk away from a situation that may be harmful or threatening? We've got to trust God to the even if. So this is what's on my replay. And it is a song called Fear Is Not My Future. And I've heard many different variations of this song by different singers. And I really like the one by Todd Galbert. He was on my replay last week featuring Tasha Cobb. Fear is not my future. And it says, let him turn it in your favor. Watch him work it for your good. He's not done with what he started. He's not done until it's 
good. Let him work it for your favor. Watch him turn it for your good. He's not done with what he's started because he's not done until it's good. Y'all check this out on my replay. I am so glad you tuned into the show today. And remember, Christ died for you, was resurrected for you, is returning for you, all because he loves you. Now, all you have to do is trust, confess, and believe in him. Y'all have a good week.